Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Imagine being a politics reporter in Ottawa during the Harper years. Now imagine being a politics reporter in Washington, D.C. right now during the Trump regime. Seven years ago, Paul McLeod was a 26-year-old Ottawa bureau chief for the Halifax Chronicle-Herald. Today, he is a Capitol Hill reporter for a failing pile of garbage known as BuzzFeed. When President Trump tweeted that, Paul McLeod shot back that they are a succeeding pile of garbage. In any event, Paul McLeod got in touch with Canada Land to say that we should do a show on the differences between reporting in Ottawa and reporting in Washington. And I said, you know what? That's a really good idea. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Jennifer Hollett, David Beers, Joseph Planta, Matthew Beckett, Matthew White, Jared Babin, David Bachner, and Heather Farrell. My name's Heather. I'm a speech-language pathologist in Toronto. 
I support Canada Land because high quality journalism is vital to a healthy democracy. And sometimes you have to put your money where your mouth is. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Hi, Paul. Hi, Jesse. So, Paul, you, you covered politics in Ottawa. Now you have covered it for some time in Washington, D.C., what are the biggest differences? Yeah, it's been about two years now of being in D.C. And if I could sum up the difference in one thing, everyone here is exponentially more bold and talkative. People in Ottawa were just consistently so tight-lipped and afraid of talking to reporters and afraid of moving past the party line even an inch. And here, everyone loves to talk to the press. Even the people you would think who are out there denouncing the press as the enemy of the people absolutely love to talk off the record. But who are you talking about? The people, like the people you cover, like like politicians, elected leaders? Yeah, mostly politicians, but also staffers. Staffers have a lot more autonomy here. I mean, I, I'll tell you a story about when I kind of realized I wasn't in Kansas anymore. And this was a couple years ago. The election was in full swing, but Congress was still in session. And I went and met a Republican congressman in his office just for an off-the-record chat and just trying to get to know some people here. And he had a reputation as a bit of a, a free thinker. And we shook hands, he met me, and within five minutes he was trying to give me a rundown of how Congress works and talking about his own party and just absolutely bashing Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House down here, basically calling Ryan a bullshitter. And he said it's like the Matrix, that 50% of his Republican colleagues uh, didn't realize they were in the Matrix, didn't realize they were being lied to all the time. And 
most of the other half, he said, realized they were in the Matrix, but the steak was so good that they didn't want to raise, raise a stink about it. And he's laughing, and we're both kind of laughing at this analogy, and I walked out being absolutely stunned that this guy who I just met, who we had no prior relationship, had not built up any level of trust, was freely bashing his own leadership, his own caucus colleagues. This is just the type of thing that would never have happened in Canada, where it would be like pulling teeth trying to get that kind of frankness out of a Canadian politician. You're saying that essentially when you were trying to get MPs to talk to you here, they were handed their talking points, they did not stray from them, and that they put their party Mm -hmm. before their constituents, perhaps, before their writings, before, like, that is the general indictment that you're presenting here. Does that generally describe your experience trying to get stories and trying to get quotes when you were covering uh, federal politics in Ottawa? Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, to really talk about why that's so different, though, I think we need to look at the difference in the political systems, which is what this comes down to, because in Canada, leaders just have a lot more power. The leader signs the nomination papers of anyone who runs to be in the House of Commons, which means that if the leader really doesn't like you, they have a lot of power to block your political career. That is not the case here. It's kind of the opposite, actually. So take Paul Ryan. This is a guy who, at any given time, a couple dozen members of his party could stage a coup, work with Democrats, and get him kicked out of the Speaker's chair. So imagine if Justin Trudeau, if at any given time, a couple dozen members of of the Liberal Party are angry at him, that they put forward a vote of no confidence, obviously all the opposition parties are going to go for it, and that little splinter group of liberals would bring down the prime minister. It wouldn't spark an election. It would just give someone else the chance to be in that chair. Justin Trudeau would be so weakened and have so much less authority, but it's not that way. It's the exact opposite. They can't touch him. They really have no way to, to get rid of him. So it's, it's completely night and day, and I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, I mean, in particular, I spent most of my time in Ottawa covering the last four years of the Harper government. And it was a level of of strict messaging that I was very critical of at the time. I, I do kind of now see Harper's side of it more than I ever did when I was actually in Ottawa. Really? Yeah, I know. It's, I was very critical of Stephen Harper for strong-arming his caucus like that. But when you see the contrast with someone like Paul Ryan, who cannot push through things he has fought for and believes in because a militant wing of his party will not let him... It's sort of given me a new uh, understanding of why Harper insisted on that level of control. On the other side of this, you're you're reporting in Unique Times under the Trump administration, but the brunt of your reporting in Ottawa under Harper, that was that was notorious amongst journalists for being the most whipped and strong-armed and message-controlled government probably in Canadian history. You had a little bit of a taste of the transition to the Trudeau government where almost mm-hmm. immediately they were leaking things and there was not the same kind of message control. Are you sure you're not just comparing the like militaristic muzzle that Harper had on his ministers uh, versus whatever the hell is happening in America now? Or, or did you see that, that this is like a larger Ottawa culture that persisted even under Trudeau? To talk to a liberal MP, say, under the Harper government, who would be very frank about the problems with their own party, I mean, you would have to build up a relationship first. You would have to get to know them. They would have to get to know you to the point where they know and trust that you're not just going to turn around and burn them in the paper, which makes sense, right? I think that's how most people would expect the journalist-politician relationship to go. But, I mean, in contrast here, there was a 
Republican congressman who I ran into when we were both walking to the Capitol one day. So I went over to him and I said, hello, I'm Paul McLeod, I'm with the BuzzFeed News. Uh, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about what's going on with this Obamacare repeal? And he said to me, he was like, sir, what was your name again, Paul? And I said, yeah. He's like, okay, cool, on background? And I was like, yep, sure. And then just proceeded to give me a full rundown of what was going on in behind closed door meetings of the Republican Party. And this is someone who had just met me and had no reason to trust me from my point of view. But politicians, it's just such a second nature here. I, I believe it's a cultural difference. You can't even just chalk it up to, uh, you know, trying to get your message out there or using the press or any kind of strategic advantage. It just really does seem like a psychological difference. Are you sure? I mean, I can't help but wonder if you're not getting spun. I mean, like you said, this was on background. The other examples you cited were off the record. They they obviously have more autonomy to spin, like the, you know. But but they are telling you they know you're a reporter. You're from the failing pile of garbage BuzzFeed. They know who you are. <laughs> they they're they're telling you things. Uh, they, they value their time. They're telling you a story because they hope it will affect your 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 coverage, right? They, they are, they're trying to spin you without attaching their names to it. Why would you think that that's because they're like just cash and like shooting the shit with you and open, like they're, they're just better at spinning no, you. I mean, it, I wasn't born yesterday, Jesse. Of course, there are definitely the people who are coming out and telling you everything's great. We were unified. Uh, we're working together and all of that bullshit. In this case, I'm sort of picking examples that show that it goes just beyond that, that it's not, I mean, I sh would not want to point out that there is no spinning here. There's a ton of spinning that goes on here. But there's also a sort of deeper level of sharing what's going on behind the scenes, I think, that, that you're going to get to regularly in Ottawa. I, I think I hear you. I think that there's sort of like a middle ground between um, my cynicism that anything they say is just part of some like, you know, very carefully orchestrated PR tactic and this other Pollyanna-ish idea that like the the dumb reporter who thinks like, oh, this this senator's my best friend. He just told me all the stuff he didn't mean to because we're buddies. I think that there's a middle ground where the reason why they're telling you these things is because they want you to understand because you're a reporter and they would rather have a press that knows what's going on mm -hmm. uh, than one that is just uh, either trying to take them down or just operating out of ignorance. So, uh, you know, that that sounds like a cultural difference worth exploring. I, I'm glad to be exploring it with you because I know that you've kept yourself abreast of what's happening in Canada. And I know that like you sort of are in this unique position to to compare the two experiences. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, you are holding politicians to account and representing the people and you're on the opposite team. Uh, they're trying to withhold the information. You're trying to expose it. On the other hand, you kind of work together. Like, you, you, you know, you're just different people who For show sure. up to work in Washington every day and see each other all the time. And what are the ethics of drinking with the people you cover and, and maybe contrast the Ottawa versus Washington perspective on that? Because, like, you're, you know, you're, you're both kind of not on the job, but on the job when that's happening. Yeah, it's the type of thing that reporters should at least ask themselves regularly because exactly it can be very useful to go out and have drinks with a politician but at the same time you have to put up barriers you have to make sure you're not becoming friends with a politician you can be friendly but not becoming friends because sometimes i mean a lot of people are very personable and you end up really liking them and you need to make sure that you're your defenses are still up and your bullshit detector is still up and of course that's that's true in both i think that the, with America, it's not always better that politicians are way more open. I mean, it, I think it is in general better, but some of the consequences of that are, are not. It's like getting someone hooked on crack, right? You, we, when politicians are way more vocal and the people in the political sphere are way more vo vocal, that's what we go to. And 
in I think if you look at the American coverage more so than the Canadian coverage, it is a lot more palace intrigue. It's a lot more of the not necessarily horse race, but like sort of the the who's winning, who's losing, who wants what, who's conceding what, and there is less proportionately focus on policy on data journalism uh, of course i'm speaking broadly of course that's still happening here but i think it's a lot less even than in ottawa where you've got people who are doing a lot of access to information stuff doing a lot of data stuff pouring through public records here i think the attitude is much more let's just spend way more of our time going out winding and dining and waiting in hallways do you do that do you go out I don't do it as much as... Do you socialize with sure, people? Sure, yeah, of course. I don't do it as much as uh, other people. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. You go out and you you meet people and you either have a drink or a coffee or whatever. And and I do it a lot more here in America, I'll say, than I did in Canada because it's more fruitful, frankly. You, you get more out of it here. You get more information, you get more insight. And I was never a big fan of doing that kind of reporting in Ottawa because I felt like most of it was a waste of time. Uh, Obviously, people do it a lot. Like Ottawa is a real like after work going to the pub town, and I know that your uh, friend uh, journalist J- Justin Ling was a, a fan of that as a <laughs> as a way of getting information. Has been like, uh, but you, you're saying that that's sort of more what you do in Washington than, than in Ottawa. Why didn't you do it in Ottawa? It's the type of thing that it is murkier. It's fun to go out and have drinks, with people, and sort of go through the whole game of that. But as I was saying earlier, it it comes with a lot more sort of ethical minds that you have to be careful of. Uh, And there's sort of a purity that comes with, I'm an A-tip guy. I'm not going out and schmoozing with people. I'm the one who's, you know, going through the records. And and there's sort of a, a moral clarity there that is kind of unimpeachable. However... But when you look yeah. at it, though, those guys, and uh, I want to be careful how I'm putting this here, like some of the biggest scandals under the Harper government, uh, they didn't come from access to information requests. They didn't come from from going through records. They didn't come from even leaked documents. They came from guys like Bob Fife who were using sources and getting people to turn on each other. And for all of the skepticism that people rightly have with the close relationships between reporters and politicians, sometimes they yield the most explosive stories. And I don't know what a better example of that could be than the Trump administration, where these close source relationships have exposed a huge amount of what is going on in the White House. And it's a lot of the most important, vital journalism out there. Let's unpack that a bit. I mean, when you look at somebody like Bob Fife, where he's getting people to divulge stuff, I would maybe raise an eyebrow at that just to say that because he has this kind of cult of personality that when somebody has made up their mind that they're going to get something to the press, that would be your first pick of who to get it to. And I don't know if that he's twisted anyone's arm. And maybe the first thing I want to drill down on here is just this um, this high-profile journalist, Bob Fife in Canada, Maggie Haberman in, 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 mm-hmm. in Washington. There's not a lot of room for for like, oh, I'm going to do that instead of being the A-tip person or the or the deep dive into documentation. You no, know, like there's only room for one or two people to be that, and usually it's later in your career that you get to be that. I want to first address the first thing about people choosing to leak. But like, of course, of course, people who choose to leak in a lot of these high-profile stories have agendas. The point is that their agenda is often different than the government's agenda, even if they're part of the government, right? Like you're, you're, you're very often getting someone who's uh, disgruntled, 
or has a score to settle and that is why they are talking to you but if their information is good and true then you got to run with that and so i don't see that as something that is a flaw in that style of reporting i mean while we're on the topic of 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 five we can we can look at the the mike duffy scandal where you had like sort of duffy's camp and the people who were going after him and everyone had an agenda there at the end of the day a huge amount of information came out about a government cover-up uh and every individual person who was leaking had their own their own thing they were trying to get across but we still learned about a whole government cover-up because of it to to the point about the celebrity i think i think that's very much kind of an american versus canadian thing too there's a lot more people paying attention here so if you're a meg haberman or i good lord one of one of like you know the top 50 i guess i would say people reporters in america you have a huge amount of celebrity that comes with that i mean like think about you know an anderson cooper level level person huge amount of celebrity that comes with that and a huge amount of money that comes with that whereas in canada no i don't think it's i don't think it's a really worthwhile thing to try to pursue in canada because the money isn't really there the fame isn't really there unless you're you know hosting the national and even that i think is kind of maybe no longer true uh, trying to make yourself into like the guy or the woman who's the the top dog of the media scene, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of antiquated now. That was Mike Duffy for a long time. It was. It was. I mean, the, the ultimate yeah. cautionary tale. Yeah. Um, I mean, I actually was reading this like when you came to 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 Ottawa and you were this very young bureau chief um, c- coming from Halifax to Ottawa, and you said, "Oh, I'm not going to follow the big story. I'm going to look at the ignored story." You know, oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna look at the story that no one else was looking at, and that reminded me. Uh, yeah. That reminded me of, of like I think it's it's one of these famous journalistic quotes that I always thought was I.F. Stone, but I'm not sure if that's true. Don't look at what governments say; look at what they do. And you know, one thing I.F. Stone certainly did is he eschewed the whole like you know rubbing elbows and 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 you know just uh, drinking with with people in Washington to get the inside scoop and to be their buddy and to sympathize with them and get spun by them. No, fuck that. Go into the documentation. Mm -hmm. Do the work. I guess it was an early version of data journalism, but just, you know, pouring through copious amounts of documentation to find out what government was actually doing. And now I see you, Paul, in Washington. You're saying by your own admission, you're now much more part of going and socializing with people and sharing a drink with politicians. You're covering an important story right now. You're mostly focused on immigration and DACA, but it's not like you've got that territory to yourself. There's probably like copious ignored stories. Everyone is obsessed with what Trump is saying, perhaps less so with what he's doing. Uh, you know, it's almost like you can make an argument that the less uh, celebrity, palace intrigue obsessed Canadian way of doing things, of being uh, a tip or data obsessed and policy obsessed, uh, is preferable. I mean, your critique is that people are much more open in, the, in in Washington, but you know, you're kind of making the the opposite argument as well. Oh yeah, no, I, I absolutely am. I'm not trying to say it's better here. In fact, I would say that, you know, it's the the oldest journalistic cognitive dissonance where the worse things are, the better they are for reporters. The better things are, the more boring it is to be a reporter. And I think a big part of that is true in the difference between Canada and the US. It is a shit show down here. They can't keep the lights on. They are they are stumbling up against crises of government shutdowns every few months. They have a healthcare system that is dying from neglect. There is so many things that make for great stories and, and captivating reads down here because they're not good for people. Whereas in Canada, yeah, there's a lot more stability. 
fewer crises and a lot more of a, a system of government that actually works in a functional way. And absolutely, that is that makes the stories that come out of Ottawa regularly less exciting than the ones in DC. But for a country and a people, that is, of course, better. Never in a million years would I ever recommend switching the Canadian system to the American system after seeing how this functions. I really liked when I was in Ottawa focusing on what the government was doing more than saying. That's not really as feasible here if you're covering Congress because Congress doesn't run the government. Congress just contributes to and in many times creates a lot of the crises that the country is dealing with. And they are, they're, they're different jobs. The, the, what makes it murkier though is that if you went and talked to a Canadian politician, for the most part, what they tell you doesn't actually matter because they don't have very much power. People vote along party lines. If you're talking to someone, even in the government party, it, what does it really matter what they think? That is just not true in America. You have these close votes. You've got people voting against their party. Uh, you've got a handful of politicians can very much sway what is in the spending bill or whether or not anti-abortion language gets put into to this bill. So it, it is much more important what these people have to say, in particular in the Senate, their thoughts and their feelings actually matter in a way that they don't in Canada. And that's just a really hard thing to, to translate between the two. Quick digression since you bring up Congress. Can you confirm the existence of the secret congressional subway? Oh, yeah, it's not a secret. Yeah, what, yeah I what, write it what, all the time. What is that? <laughs> so... In D.C., it gets to like 100 degrees down here, so the politicians don't actually want to go outside when they're going from their offices to the Capitol for votes. So they have this subterranean system of subways that uh, that go between the office buildings and the Capitol. And it's for Congress people and for journalists? Who's it for? For everyone. Yep. Politicians use it. Staffers use it. Journalists. Well, journalists use it as a stakeout spot because it's a bottleneck, right? You, it, a lot of politicians use them. So we will wait around uh, where the subways get off in the Capitol because that's where we can ambush politicians. <laughs> Is there a difference between the way you scrum in, in Washington and the, and the way it worked in Ottawa? Mm, uh, I would say it's broadly similar. One weird thing I, that I never ever saw in Canada that I have seen here is the off the record scrum very bizarre but like sometimes you're 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 staking out like a, a caucus meeting and some people will sort of file out and a bunch of reporters will be walking with them and be asking what happened in there and you're not supposed to talk about what happened in the meetings but everyone does so a congressman will be like all right but uh, on background and then everyone will kind of go sure and then he'll just give a sort of a readout of what was discussed and things like that to five or six reporters at once. The concept of an off-the-record scrum is not something that I was aware of before I came down here. But for the most part, the like the mechanics, I mean, Americans aren't nastier or meaner or anything like that. We're all still collegial to each other, and it's about the same. Off-the-record scrum, they're just talking to a group of journalists, they haven't checked who's from where, and they're just, they're, they're just sharing information on background or off-the-record to whoever happens to be there. Yeah, sorry, I should say on background. I, I know people don't necessarily know what all the difference is, but, but on background just okay. meaning you can say it comes from a congressman, but you just can't identify which congressman that okay. is. Okay, uh, thank you for clarifying that. I had heard about that. It, wasn't, it didn't sound like it was true, but apparently it is. <laughs> yeah. Back to your shit show. It really is, what's the right way to say this? I'm dying of jealousy. I'm so, like, like, if you're a reporter... Oh, yeah, you should be. At, at any point, you know, you, you would want to be covering Washington if you're a reporter. But there is no time like now. I mean, like, except, I don't know, maybe during Watergate or something. And like you say, the number of stories and the chaos, like, 
Paul, I had a conversation with a, a very senior conservative, Canadian conservative, who said, like, look, it's not like in Canada where there's a, a change of government and, you know, a, a, a smaller number of people change over. In, in the U.S., if there's a new government, mm-hmm. like hundreds and hundreds of people running everything mm-hmm. leave and have to be replaced. Yep. And these are these are like civil servants who like have to know what they're doing and nobody wants to work for Trump. Yeah. And everything that I've witnessed since of just like the people who who have been put in charge and and the the leaks and the scan like everything that's happening uh has reflected the accuracy of that. This was a conservative thing. I hope Trump doesn't win because it because it's just the United States of America will cease to function. And that's what happened from my perspective. So I'm jealous, Paul. Like you, 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 you could pick your story. And are, are you not like filled with anxiety that there isn't some incredible story that you're not getting because you're covering the issue that's on everyone's minds right now, which is will these families be put back together and what's going to happen with DACA? I mean, I th- well, I think there are definitely a, a, a hundred stories any on any given day that I'm I'm not covering that are great stories it, it, it is so big and unwieldy that uh you kind of have to have tunnel vision a little bit i will regularly read um i don't know i my let's say my science reporter colleague dan vergano his story he wrote about how the opioid epidemic is uh growing worse and not being addressed despite what politicians say and i'll think fuck that's a, a great story and a huge story and an important story and i have about three and a half minutes that I can think about this and then I got to move on to the next thing because it is so overwhelming. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I Obviously, reporters still, we all want to try to, we all want to try to get exclusive stories. That's the best feeling in the world and it's the reason most of us are in this. I think with, I mean, this is just more personal, but with BuzzFeed, we also have an audience of people who, who largely don't read other news. So I, I sort of interpret a lot of my job as trying to break things down for people uh, in a way that is digestible and uh, you know comprehensive still and informing people who might not be reading the Washington Post or whatever um look it's it's a, been a different experience because i hold on cuz that's an interesting thing that you bring up like your your freedom and ability to follow a story and go down a rabbit hole and 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 find something that nobody else knows might be at odds with your role in BuzzFeed as you say reporting news to people who don't read news and you know basically taking on the kind of teacher role of like explainer mm-hmm. which is a you know that's a very valuable thing to do to break things down and explain them to people who aren't getting them elsewhere but it's 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 kind of at odds with like finding out new shit yeah, I mean it can be but it's not hard to do both I mean you can walk and chew gum at the same time I, I think there's a very huge middle ground where you can do some of both anything we didn't get to that you want to Paul well, I was kind of curious to see your thoughts of what when you look down at the American media and you you sort of take it all in because I know people out there are watching it with a lot of uh, intensity I mean I don't know do you do you look at it and think geez I wish I, did, I wish our media scene was more like that or do you say oh thank God that we're totally different Ah. Uh. I, I I think I wish that it was more like that. And uh, I wish that it was more like that because, you know, I work in news and I I would like more people to care about it in the way that Americans seem to care about it. Yeah. I never bought the idea that it's just inherently more interesting in America because it's America, because it's bigger or because they're somehow just more interesting figures or something like that. Like. We live here, so it should be more interesting here. Like Paul Ryan's not an interesting magnetic, you know, like no. 
it's 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 because the media treats it like it's important and acts like it matters and that can go too far and it can get too much about the personalities and all the bad things that happen in the screaming heads but like i hate how canadians pride ourselves on oh we don't do that thing we don't do that thing where we're all invested in these personalities we don't do that thing where we yell at each other uh we could use a bit more of that thing because like if we were a bit more willing to make news entertaining news about our politicians entertaining we might have more participation Mm -hmm. and more interest and the canadian thing is no less pernicious it's just sort of this kind of like cold dull uh government doing what the hell it wants without the same level of scrutiny which i think is fascinating like i think that here is the place where there's actually like a thousand untold stories you know yeah i would mostly agree with that i think that there were definitely things when i was in ottawa that were stories that were confined to the level of gossip and known amongst reporters and talked about at bars that no one ever wrote about and sometimes because you couldn't and sometimes because it was a we don't go there because it was about you know someone cheating on their wife with a staffer or something like that and 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 then that affecting like their career or something like that which which we don't touch here in Canada that we do in America but I do think since I moved down here that I've realized that a lot of it is that in some ways the news is more interesting down here because it is more fucked up down here. You really do have, I mean, if you look at any area, but like healthcare, you've got a totally openly broken system and a political machine that is completely unwilling to try to fix it because it's built to uh, one side blame the other side. And that is, it, it is so much worse than it is in Canada that sometimes I look at that sort of lack of interest in politics and I think, well, it, it, in some, on some level, even though it's bad for me in my profession, it, it is a sign of health because people are paying attention when they're angry and when their lives suck. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a larger question that is sort of the crisis that we're all dealing with right now is will reporters be able to absorb and and own the thing that we don't ever want to acknowledge, which is that some aspect of our jobs is putting asses in seats and being interesting. And the fact that we always deny that and act like we're just doing this holy work and no, we couldn't care less about that when any idiot watching cable news can see like, no, you obviously are feeding me garbage because it's like, this is what I'm most likely to watch. You're obviously in the entertainment Mm -hmm. business to some extent. The hypocrisy of pretending that you're not has bit us in the ass really hard. Do you think most people actually say that, though, with a straight face? I feel like most of the reporters I I talk to are pretty open about how at least, even if they are highbrow about it and would look down their noses at, at uh, cable TV news, would acknowledge that good storytelling and, and, and grabbing people's attention is a big part of what we should be doing. Yeah, I, I, look, your point's taken and everyone's like, this is a great story, this is a gripping story and everybody thinks that their content is interesting. Uh, I do think there's a tension there. We're always trying to thread this needle in a way that allows us to maintain the pomp and and the respectability. And, uh, well, you know? I agree with you there. And, and, that is, and that is something that I think is worse in Canada. There are some outlets that I don't think I need to name that very much have that attitude uh, that of, of being high-minded uh, in a way that is insufferable. Whereas here, I think it's a little bit more openly acknowledged that like we're all in this game. Yeah. At the expense of the public's right to know stuff, you know? I mean, like, you know, it's great that we don't engage in, like, gossip about people's extramarital affairs here, but there actually have been some cases where we have this line where, like, well, if it affects policy or if it affects if they're making choices and how they run a campaign based on who they're sleeping with on the side, then we would cover that. Well, sometimes we don't 
report on those ones when it does cross that line because we're so used to not reporting it. Yeah, but there have definitely been times where it has had uh, real world impacts and the it's just sort of treated as a blanket rule. And I'm not sure that that's always the right decision. I mean, there were there were there were a lot of rumors that that were going on in Ottawa that if anyone could lock down would be huge stories. And I think a lot of it is just the resources aren't put into that because sometimes because it's you know that's not what we do whereas here um it's or it's it is seen as this is what we do thanks a lot paul <laughs> talk to you later okay that is your canada land i hope you enjoyed it email me about it i will read what you send me if you send it to jesse at canadalandshow.com we are on Twitter at CanadaLand. We have a website. It is CanadaLandShow.com, and we publish news stories there all the time, even during the summer. Come check it out. Guys, if you have not been listening to our food show Taste Buds, you have been missing out. The final episode of season one is out this week. Subscribe to Taste Buds. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from or look for it on our website. It is a great show. This episode of CanadaLand is produced by Ellen Payne-Smith. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand.